Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to talk about how to find a breeder when you've decided what kind of dog that you want. I think maybe we should start there. Okay. Is first of all, you know, selecting the breed that you want. Right. If you're not going to go out and adopt a dog, which is always a nice idea, and you've decided that you want a purebred dog, and you are trying to decide what kind of breed, or you have decided what kind of breed that you want, there's a few things to give consideration to. And a lot of being successful long-term is really making good choices. So... One of the things to think about when you're going to select the type of breed that you want is matching the breed to you and your lifestyle. Yes. So that would include energy level. Yes. And if you live in an apartment, don't get a Dalmatian. Needs. Right. What are the needs? Yeah. You want a dog that is going to fit comfortably in your house because you can only take training and molding so far. You still are working with the genetics of the breed. Right. If you're going to be gone for a long time during the day, pick an independent breed. Don't pick a breed that needs a lot of human interaction. There are a few independent breeds out Mm -hmm. there. If you're going to have a situation where the dog doesn't have access to the outdoor, you want a dog that you know isn't necessarily notoriously difficult to housebreak. Yes. (laughs) There are a few of those. Uh Uh-huh. You want a dog of a correct size, a size that will suit you. you. Do you want to be able to take your dog places? Do you want to be able to take your dog for long romps in the country? Then you might want a bigger dog that's going to be able to have the stamina to go with you and do the things that you want him to do. And also, please don't forget grooming. Grooming is a big consideration. Yeah, don't get a breed of dog that's going to require really heavy-duty grooming like a poodle or a Wheaton Terrier or something that's going to be really expensive in the long run and has to be groomed every so often or they get to be a matted mess. Unless you're willing to do that. Yes. I mean, you know, I know people who have standard poodles that have those dogs bathed every week. And they're in beautiful coat. And they're done every week. And they have been. And these dogs are like 10 years old. And they've been done every week of their life. Mm-hmm. And they're willing to deal with the expense. And it's the, a commitment. It's an absolute commitment. And they're an appropriate owner. Or I've known people who have had standard poodles that shaved them down because they didn't want to deal with all that hair. I don't totally get that as an ex-groomer. I don't totally get that. But you know what? The thing is, the point is, just, you know, find something that suits you. Yes. And don't base your choice on one dog that you met That's of a certain right. breed, especially the more uncommon breeds or the more rare breeds. Right. Here's an example. I had a client who their neighbor had a Catahoula. was not a typical Catahoula. They went out and got a Catahoula based on this one dog. And their dog turned out to be a typical Catahoula. It was not a pretty situation. Very difficult. So do get to know what that breed is like. If you're looking at a particular breed, find out a lot about that breed. And don't just ask someone who has the potential to make money off of you if they sell you a dog. Or somebody who's so crazy about the breed, they are kind of kennel blind and they don't get it that there's any other breed out there. They think Mm -hmm. they have the best breed of dog. Um, You really want to make your selection well. Because making your selection well makes the difference between a long-term situation that works out or that can be kind of difficult and unhappy. Now, I know a lot of people who have gone to dog shows to meet a lot of different breeds 
And they've had some really good experiences. The people at a lot of the dog shows have been very honest about the breed. Because a lot of times people are protective of their breed, too, and don't wanting them ending up in, you know, in the wrong hands. Absolutely. And so they want to be honest. Whereas if you just went to breeders themselves, a person who has an ad in the paper or an ad in the back of a dog magazine, those people are going to tell you anything that you want to hear in order to sell you a dog. Well, and the other thing to remember is if you only get a couple of opinions, you got a couple of opinions. And so you might get the two opinions that are very biased one way or another. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to 10 people, you might get 10 different opinions. But at least then you would know that there's a pretty big variance and you'd want to listen to everything and go, okay, am I willing to take the bad with the good here? What's the story? And also by going to a dog show, you get to see multiple dogs of the same breed. Right. So that you have a much bigger pool from which to judge the breed. Right. There's a lot of people to talk to, you know, veterinarians, groomers, dog trainers. If you can afford it, I think you should have a dog trainer go with you and help you pick out a puppy. That's my feeling about what most people should do because a lot of times someone who works with dogs a lot can pick up on certain traits and characteristics that will work within your family. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people do that with me and take me to help them make breed selections yeah if i meet somebody who's just gotten a puppy and i didn't you know they didn't have me come and help them choose a puppy i always ask them why did you choose this dog right what is it about this dog that made you choose them out of the litter right because a lot of times it can be about well he was crouching in the corner and afraid Mm -hmm. and he was the most outgoing but then they've got a three-year-old kid and a five-year-old kid too much dog for them right yes so Those are some of the considerations, but once you've figured out what breed of dog is going to suit you and you feel pretty comfortable, you think, okay, I've learned a lot about this dog and I think that this will work for me. One of the things that you can do again is hire a trainer to help you make a good selection. But when you're looking at breeders, there's a few things that you might want to take into consideration. And one of the easiest ways is to get someone local so that you can go and meet the dogs. So you can meet the mother, maybe the father. Sometimes the father is not on the premises, but you can go and meet their dogs and see what are their dogs like. If their dogs aren't fit to meet human beings... Oh, she's a little protective about her puppies when there are strangers around. Yeah, you might want to be careful. What? Yeah, what do you mean by protective? Do you mean a little cautious or do you mean I'm going to kill you? Yeah, does she get nervous or is she actually not going to allow us into the room? So if I went to someone's house and I was looking at a particular dog and they said, well, she's really kind of lost her mind since she had the puppy. She doesn't want anybody around him. This is unusual for her. And they had five other dogs because it was a breeder. Mm -hmm. And all their dogs were wonderful and this was all from the same line. I might overlook that. Right. But if that was the only representation that I had, I would probably pass. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the puppies are learning a lot from the mom. And the way she's acting. Right, and the way she's acting, and they're also genetically kind of predisposed to that behavior. Right. So that might be something to take into consideration. Are the parents friendly? Are they calm dogs? Are they wild dogs? What is the line like? Okay, I know what my breed is like, but what's this line like? Because there can be a huge variation in the temperament and attitude of one line of a particular breed versus another line of a particular breed. Right. They just look totally different, too. There's a lot to take into consideration, and those are the kinds of things that you want to first figure out. Well, first you're qualifying your breeder, so you want to know, you know, can I have a look at these dogs? If you have somebody who says, no, you can't come to my house, uh, that's a little worrisome. I know that 
with my puppies, except with the exception of one. No, two. One was my sister, though. But with the exception of two people, and one is because um, it was one of your clients that took one of them, everybody met the puppies quite a bit prior to their taking the puppies. So they had a really good idea of what they were like. And I wanted them to do that. I wanted to meet them. I wanted to see how they interacted with the puppies. I wanted them to meet my the mother dog. So if you go to some, like, let's say a breeder says you can come over, but the puppies are in a back room, and they're not going to let you go into the back room, but they will bring the dogs out one at a time. I'll bring out one at a time, and you can meet with them one at a time, and then you can tell me which one you like. But no, I'm not going to let you in the back room where they're mm. kept, where they are living. You're not going to be able to see the living conditions that these puppies are in. Yeah, that would be a big red flag. Even if you have a mother that is protective or overprotective, you can always put her in a crate or put mm -hmm. her somewhere to have people meet the puppies. Yeah, that would be a big red flag. Yeah. I think you should be wary if you go and the breeder has two or three litters of puppies on the ground. Mm -hmm. That's worrisome to me. That's Yeah, that kind of points towards a breeder who doesn't, who's not looking for temperament, who's just looking for money. They're producing. They're producing and producing and producing. And it can happen. Somebody can have two litters. At one time, I mean, that can happen even in a, in a respectful situation. But I don't know. Again, that's a question mark, and that's when I start asking a lot of questions about them. You also want someone who knows their breed very well and knows what kind of potential genetic issues exist within their breed. And they should talk freely with you about that. And beware of the breeder who says, but we have nothing. This is a problem within the breed. But our breed is clean of everything mm -hmm. because I've yet to ever meet one, and I've been in the dog world a long time. I've met a lot of people who have said it. I've yet to actually meet somebody who, I've, who that came to prove out over the long run. So you want them to have an idea. What are the health, potential health risks in their breed? Most purebred dogs have some kind of genetic health risk that runs in that breed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there's tests to be done, and you want to know that they've done those tests. Right. So like for the Aussies that you bred, you have Aussies. So mm -hmm. what tests did you do? What what were, what are you looking for specifically for Aussies? Well, I have on the breeding stock that we used, and I only bred one time, so I'm not the big-time breeder, but they both had their hips certified. Mm -hmm. They both had their elbows certified. And we had done testing for eye problems. It used to be in the, that you tested only... Every year you would go in and have their eyes checked for the potential for the development of cataracts. Now they have a genetic test. Oh. And I didn't know that, to be honest with you. I had not done that genetic testing at the time when I bred Willow to see do they carry a particular gene that points to the possibility of this eye issue of early onset cataracts. If I had known about it, I would have done it prior to. And that does not necessarily mean that the dogs wouldn't get cataracts because that is a problem in Australian Shepherds. But it's something that you might want to look at. Some dogs carry predisposition for thyroid issues. That doesn't have to be. Or heart it. problems. Heart, cardiomyopathy. Yes. Absolutely. Dobermans, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Absolutely. Uh, thyroid is huge in golden retrievers. Epilepsy. Mm -hmm. You want to know about a history of epilepsy because that can be a devastating situation. Or even a history of cancer in that line. Yes. Absolutely. And people should be free to talk with you about this. Now, if you find out that there's been something in their line, that's not necessarily a reason to not go to that breeder because at least they're being honest with you. And I'm here yes. to tell you, they all have problems. Mm -hmm. But they're disclosing this. They're being free about right. this. They're not holding back on this information. Yeah, and, and like you said, if they say, oh, no, no, no problems, nothing has ever come up. 
then that is somebody that you want to maybe run from really well, fast. Or at least talk to them and find out, well, okay, because how long have you been in this and how long have you been doing this and what about the breed stock that you got from and right. that kind of thing. When I say breed stock, it sounds so very clinical, but that is the way that you discuss this kind of thing. So trust me, I don't think of my dog as a breed stock, <laughs> but that's just the way you, you discuss this kind of stuff. So that would be a really big, important thing to research when you're trying to find out about them. The other thing I think that you brought up when we were talking about this prior to doing this podcast was, do they know where their dogs are now? How many dogs have they bred? And do mm-hmm. they keep track of them? Or do they not care? Once they have the money in their hand and the dog is out the door, they don't care where the dogs are. Right. I, I think a responsible breeder wants to know where their dogs are, wants to make sure that they're going to a good home, and is willing to take the dog back should anything happen, should anything come up. Like, let's say for some reason the dog isn't good with kids and the couple ends up having a baby, or they end up moving, losing their home, unfortunately, this economy, you know? Right. Is the breeder willing to take the dog back? Right. Do they not want their dog to end up in a shelter or a rescue? Right. Absolutely. And because as far as I'm concerned, a breeder is... is responsible for every life they bring into this world and if they don't take on that responsibility fully then they're not a very good breeder i agree with you and i think that's when you want a breeder who is going to qualify you as carefully as you qualify them Mm -hmm. because somebody who is really interested in tracking their dogs wants to know have you thought about what will happen if you have a baby are you in a stable situation Mm -hmm. what if you lost your job do you have ideas of what you would go on these are difficult questions but they're all things that i will tell you you look at yeah when you're placing a puppy you look at this it's not that i wouldn't take all of my puppies back because i absolutely would it's that i wanted to know are we setting them up for stability here or not because every bounce is difficult on a dog every Mm -hmm. time you bounce them out of one place and into another it's difficult so that's what you want to know. You want to know that that breeder is really interested in those puppies and takes it personally. Yes. Those puppies are personal to that person. I will tell you, I mean, I was lucky. I had friends also that took my dogs, but not only friends, mm-hmm. but one of your clients took one of my dogs, which yes. was fabulous for me because they're very good clients of Laura's and she knows them really well. And I get to see them every week and I keep tracks of the track of the dogs. And she gives me constant updates. So it's very... That was a really comfortable situation. Other than that, they all went to places where I know exactly what they're doing and and what's going on with them and how they're doing, and that's really important. Now, as a breeder gets bigger, that gets more difficult to do, but someone who's really interested tracks it. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I didn't want to ever want to be a breeder, so I wasn't looking to have, like, you know, 10 litters under my belt. But somebody who is that interested in staying in the breed should be that interested in their puppies and should want to track them that carefully. And I think that you were right when you said that a lot of breeders can be kennel blind. Oh, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. I was working with a Briard once a couple of years ago, and he was having some aggression issues. I mean, like, really came after me, like one of the most serious assaults on me that I've ever had from a dog, and this was a big dog. I remember. And when <laughs> she, yeah, nice big You bruising. told me about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was, yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing I didn't fall on the ground because I would have been toast yeah. had, had I ended up on the, anyway. So when she contacted the breeder, the breeder said, oh, no, that's just the line. And, I, you know, I had to get rid of his father for the same thing. And, but, no, that's just the line. And right. so, my, so yeah, exactly. So the client said to me, well, but that's just the line. And I said, yeah, isn't that sad? Right. Isn't that really sad that they continue to breed these dogs 
so that now they can say, oh, it's just the line. It's in the line. This is a great dog. It's a Briard, but you have to keep it like it's a lion. Yes. He's like a loaded gun. <laughs> so just be careful. Just, But it's the breed, so it's all okay. It Like, like it makes it less of an issue. Yeah. That's a... That's a red flag for me. I mean, honestly, one of the red flags for me is if a breeder says, oh, they're just, they're very careful around strangers when you go in to take a look at puppies. That's always a big red flag for me. Because mm-hmm. that brings us to the next thing, which is how do they manage them? How do they raise them? How do they socialize them? Mm-hmm. What is their technique for doing this? I know that when I was raising a group of puppies, I had a back room, which is where they were originally whelped and you never let anybody in there (laughs) there were people in there in and out there all the time because that's just it they needed to meet a lot of different people then I also have brought them into the kitchen and had them running loose in the kitchen which was hysterical and then I also had them in a couple of different places that I set up in the yard because they couldn't just have one spot in the yard where they were at I had an area in the backyard where I could leave them sort of semi-unattended, but I also set up X-Pens and put them in the backyard, in the front yard, so that they had a lot of different experiences, so that they could see people walk by, so that they could say hello to my neighbors. So that they could be on different surfaces. One is on concrete, one is on grass, one is on asphalt, one is on gravel. Different sights, different smells, all sorts of things. And that means a lot to little puppies who haven't had any experiences at all. Well, because they're forming their ability to actually cope with new things anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when being exposed to a lot of new things becomes just second nature, becomes mm-hmm. really common for them. Um, do they do anything to do enrichment activities? What kind of enrichment activities do they provide for their puppies? You know, are they... Um, Only are, left in a whelping box with nothing to stimulate them. Right. Do they, are they, you know, uh, there were some uh, sound tapes that Laura had sent my way when I had the puppies for different types of sounds thunder and car sounds and kids kids playing and babies animals and and all sorts of stuff that I played in the room that they were in just so that they could get used to those accustomed to those new sounds and those new sounds didn't have any specific scary meaning to them right there was no kind of physical or visual association with them they were just sounds so that's another thing that a breeder that takes the time to really think about exposing those puppies to as many different things as possible. And if they do it, they'll be proud of it. They'll tell you about it. Right. Let me or tell do they you. say, oh, I'm just the breeder. Oh, the socialization is your part or the, the, that getting them used to the world is your part. Well, not only that, most breeders who've done that will tell you about it without you asking. You don't have to ask what do you do to socialize them because they'll tell you, oh, you know, I run tapes and I do this and that and I, I take them out front and they've been here and they've been there and I've had people coming and going. They're proud of it because they know that what they're doing is really important for the puppy's development. I know... So you shouldn't necessarily have to ask those questions, to be right. honest with you. Right. And I know some tra- some breeders who have already started crate training the puppies mm-hmm. or clicker training the puppies mm-hmm. so that when the person gets the, gets the puppy, the dog has already started learning something. Well, and I have to say that with mine, I, was, I taught mine to go in a litter box when they were babies. I actually started them with a litter box, and I did no... F- formal training but they all had nice little recalls on them when they went out Mm -hmm. and you know that was just work that I did with them naturally that's the kind of stuff that I do I mean I'm not a big um, control trainer with young dogs I like to train a lot of activity stuff but you want somebody who's been working with them 
to actually get the puppies so that they want to connect to people. Because mm-hmm. I know when my puppies left, they all did a lot of heavy-duty eye contact. Mm-hmm. That's what I rewarded when they were yes. coming up is a lot of eye contact. Because if you can get your dog's attention, if he will focus in on what you're, what you're saying, if he's open to your messages, that's a big head start to training. As opposed to the breeders who just have the, the mom take care of the puppies and then they just go in and give the puppies food and clean up after them and really don't interact with the puppies at all. Right. And people who do that will talk to you about it. They really will. They'll take pride in that. So you can't necessarily find every single thing that we're talking about. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not a breeder. And so for me, this was like this grand, important thing that I was doing. And I went to every length that I could think of. But you do want to find somebody who takes it personally, who who it's part of, you know, it, it ma- matters to them mm-hmm. how these little puppies end up. And if they do it right, it's exhausting. It's exhausting and tiring, and it means that they're doing it right. And they aren't going to want to have three litters on the ground at the same time because it's going to make for three oh, times as much work. Exactly. And if you, you know that if they have two or three litters on the ground at the same time, they aren't doing it. <coughs> if they have two or three litters on the ground at the same time, they aren't doing it right. Exactly. Which actually brings me to my next point, which is beware of early releases. And that is because... A lot of times, breeders who aren't that interested, who it's not a big deal. I held my puppies till they were 10 weeks old because I think I've watched so many puppies and I think that there's a huge amount that they learn from each other and there's a huge amount from they, that they learn from mama. But I know that, and, and, and I worked with them to get them human, you know, connected to people too. So it wasn't like they missed out on the possibility of connecting to people. But I know that there are people who get puppies at five, six, seven weeks old Mm -hmm. please please at least wait until they're eight weeks old and if you have a breeder that's trying to push the dog on you before that pass you have to question the breeder yes because there's a reason they do that let me tell you something after a certain age the puppies are a big old pain in the patootie and that's the truth (laughs) they are they're a lot of work they're making more mess you have to clean up more mess and they're none of them are house trained so if you've got a litter of seven or eight puppies you're constantly cleaning up messes and then there's the food and they play in the food and they drag the food all over the place and not only that but in a lot of places it's illegal to sell a puppy under six or seven weeks old well, and people do it because it is a pain in the neck. Even with my puppies, who I litter box trained, they were actually trained to go into a box. They didn't always get into the box. They did a lot. They did really well, but they didn't always get in there, and it was a huge mess. I mean, you know, at some point, mom stops cleaning up after them, and it becomes the, the new mom's job, and that would be the person who made the decision to have these puppies. But they learn so much from one another. They interact on in a way that is perfect and when I say perfect you would have to watch a litter of puppies interact to really know what I'm talking about they are hardwired to get each other to understand each other's communication and they don't overwhelm each other and they absolutely do this amazing so does mom and mom does this amazing job with them now I understand that all bitches don't stay as connected as as mine did Willow really was still very into her puppies as they got older but um Still, there is just so much they learn. And when you take them really, really young like that, you can't, no matter what you do, you cannot create the situation that they have in a litter. Mm -hmm. It's impossible for you to duplicate those experiences. So then you end up with 
raising a puppy who has missed some really important stuff. Because once that time goes by, the time is gone. You can't get it back. You can't go back and redo it. It's not going to happen. You know what? It's a, it's a short, long time. And what I mean by that is it flies by, but there is so much that happens in it. It is just a huge wealth of information that they gain at that mm-hmm. time. <coughs> so I think that that kind of covers the way I feel about breeders. Do you have anything in particular that you were thinking of? Well, I was, I was thinking about, um, you know... I, I just ask people, like, I've got somebody now who's bringing home a puppy in a couple... Now start. I've got somebody now who's bringing home a puppy, and I I ask them to make sure that the breeder is sending home, you know, like a week's worth of food so that if she wants to change over food, that she can do it gradually. Well, she just informed me that the breeder is only sending three days' worth of food. Mm-hmm. That's not enough time to switch over to a new food, and she told me what the brand is, and it's not a great brand of food, which means that now she has to go out and buy, unless she can convince the breeder to give her some more food, but now she has to go out and buy a whole new bag of food for this little tiny puppy, and it's a small breed, so it's even tinier than that, that she only needs a week's worth to get her by, a week and a half, maybe maybe two maximum, to get her by to, to wean this puppy onto a new brand of food. Right. Yeah, I think when you have a breeder that's not willing to work with you, you need to really take a good close look at that and wonder how into this dog's welfare are they. And when I say work with you, I don't mean, um, you know, there are also unreasonable puppy buyer Potential requests. puppy owners, yes, right. Yes, absolutely. But certainly something like that is a very reasonable request. And also, um, just as a kind of a quick aside, when you get your puppy you should get some paperwork that goes along with that puppy. Yes. I know that when my puppies went into their new homes, they got the great big puppy book with all the pictures of the babies and all the information on the mother and the father and, I mean, all the information on their first vet checks and their first eye checks and everything that I had done. And if they... And, and if information about what I've, I've been feeding them and how they should continue on with that. Right. And, and if the puppies have had any vaccines or been like it's not uncommon for puppies to get albon for you know certain things or you know just anything that the puppy has had done because your veterinarian is going to want to know that right also what kind of health guarantee as far as you know if you take your dog to the vet within the next 24 48 hours and your and your vet says ah the puppy has a heart murmur right you know are you going to get your money back or will they just go no you can have another another puppy from another litter right that's something that you should actually check into is what is your what are the rules in your state that govern that kind of thing, by right. the way. That's something that's really good to be informed about prior. But if you have a really great breeder and you've really met all the requirements that we're talking to, you're probably not going to have a problem, to right. be honest with you. Exactly. So I guess that's about it for now. So I'm Kim Reinhart with 8 Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website 
at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. And remember, you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and download us from iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you.